definition of theory is as follows. A plausible or scientifically acceptable general principle or body of principles offered to explain phenomena. What is up, theorists? Welcome back to the Can Theory Show. I am your host, as always, Can Goods. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the Titanic. So, the Titanic, as we all know, a ship that sank in 1912. Or did it really? This was a relatively new topic to me. Uh, I just heard about it a few weeks ago. And I was pretty intrigued by it, and I wanted to dive in. And after doing a lot of research, it's a pretty compelling case. So let's dig in. So I'm going to start from the top. The Titanic was a massive cruise vessel created by a company called White Star Line. It was created in 1912 as the second in a line of the Olympic-class cruise liners, behind the RMS Olympic, constructed in 1911, and prior to the HMHS Britannic, constructed in 1915. These ships were distinct from being the largest ships ever constructed and were modern marvels of seafaring technology. The Titanic itself cost roughly $7.5 million to build, and in terms of inflation today, 2021, that equates to about $200 million. The scale of these ships was just pretty astronomical, especially for the time, and the Titanic used 3 million rivets in its construction, which are pieces of metal that are like essentially bolts that hold together everything in place of screws. It weighed in at 46,000 tons and spanned 882 feet in length. The total construction involved about 3,000 workers, all in all. Upon finishing its construction, Titanic was set to make its first voyage across the Atlantic Ocean and was built as the most luxurious cruise line experience imaginable. The ship's capacity allowed for up to 3,547 crew and passengers in total. However, the catastrophic maiden voyage only had about 2,300 people on deck. There were 324 passengers in first class, 284 passengers in second class, and 709 in third class. The more notable and wealthy passengers I'll discuss later in the show, but for now, let's go over the events that led to the Titanic's demise. The RMS Titanic set out from Southampton, England, on April 10th, 1912, at noon. When exiting the harbor, the Titanic passed by the USS New York, and the water displacement caused the New York to rise and then drop, and the sudden increase in pressure caused the mooring lines to snap, and it drifted off from the pier and headed towards the Titanic. The casualty was averted, and the two ships narrowly missed each other by a margin of just four feet, and the Titanic was now safely underway. Now one could presume this is a terribly bad omen. You're not even outside the harbor yet, and an accident almost occurs already. Moving onward, the Titanic made its way to Cherbourg, a port in France, to pick up more passengers, followed by a final stop in Queenstown, Ireland, to complete the picking up of all passengers. Both of these ports didn't have suitable accommodations for the Titanic, so it was unable to moor and pick up passengers, so they had to use tenders to ferry the people aboard. At 1.30 p.m., Titanic set off and began its voyage across the Atlantic. They were set to arrive in New York on April 17, 1912, 
Heading west, they follow the Irish coastline before venturing into open waters. The path taken was known as the Great Circle Route, which spanned the northern Atlantic until reaching Newfoundland. This journey to Newfoundland encompassed 1,620 nautical miles before they arrived at a point known as the Corner, at which they would change direction. The new path would be a direct line for New York, going through perilous ice fields. Captain Edward Smith would receive reports of large ice drifting freely. However, he decided to push on and still maintain nearly full speed. At 11.40 p.m., a large iceberg was observed directly in the course of Titanic. It was observed by Frederick Fleet. They were coming straight into it and were unable to change the course in time to avoid it. The starboard side of the Titanic, or the right side, was hit hard by this iceberg, and it punctured the hull severely below the waterline. The hull dented inward, and the flooding began. Compartments began flooding, Titanic began sinking nose first, and disaster arose. The cascading effect of flooding in these compartments filled the ship with more and more water as it would spill out into fellow compartments, and it just doomed the fate of the Titanic. The situation on board RMS Titanic was grim. Both crew members and passengers did not know what to do in the event of an emergency. Crew members had not practiced saving the ship in a flooding emergency, and the amount of lifeboats was far inadequate for the entire encompassing crew. In fact, only 20 lifeboats were on board, which would accommodate less than half of the total personnel on the voyage. These lifeboats were also launched prior to reaching their capacity, with many only having a fraction of people that it would have allowed for. For example, lifeboat number one only had 12 of the 40 people that it was weight rated for. On board and below decks, crew members were perishing in flooding compartments, and the situation devolved into utter chaos. At 2.10 a.m., the boat deck was submerged and increased the sinking speed of the Titanic drastically. The weighted strain caused the Titanic to break into two pieces. The bow of the ship remained above water for a time, and due to the pressure in the flooding compartments, the buoyancy actually lifted it to a near vertical standpoint. Passengers clung on to whatever they could to stave off the fatal freezing waters. Those who did encounter the water were subjected to temperatures of negative 2 degrees Celsius or 27 degrees Fahrenheit and lived for only 15 to 30 minutes after the exposure. At this point, all lifeboats had been launched, all flares had been used, all distress signals had been sent, but no help came to rescue these survivors. It wasn't until about 4 a.m. that RMS Carpathia made it to the scene to pick up the lifeboat survivors. This was about four hours after the initial iceberg collision had occurred. Only 700 people were saved, with about 1,500 people having perished in the tragedy. Carpathia took all the survivors, mostly women and children, back to New York. It took three days to reach their final destination, as ice was prevalent all around them. The area now is known as Ice Alley, and the passengers who did survive remarked the area was surrounded by fields of ice. After braving rough seas, thunderstorms, and all these ice conditions, the RMS Carpathia arrived in New York at Pier 54. It was about 9.30 p.m., and the media had already caught wind of the situations, and some 40,000 people swarmed the docks where the Titanic pulled in, 
with some reporters actually managing to get onto the Carpathia before it was even moored. The survivors were cared for and given lodging immediately by charitable organizations, and some were given transport back to their homes via train. So, there are some major issues and developments behind the Titanic that we must address. The lifeboats were said to be unsightly for the wealthy passengers, so they reduced the total amount of lifeboats brought by 44. That's right, theorists, 44 lifeboats were left out. So they had 20 lifeboats on board of the total 64 that it was rated for and should have had. The lookout, Frederick Fleet, was not given binoculars. Why would you not give the lookout binoculars? That doesn't make any sense. Supposedly there was a pair left by somebody who did not go on the voyage, but he had locked them in his locker and taken the key with him, so nobody had access to it. So nobody thought to bring this pair an extra man binoculars? He's the lookout, and they didn't give him the tool that he needed to do the job. The wreck occurred at night, and many theorize, and I personally believe, that if they had had a few more minutes, they could have averted the course, and the whole tragedy could have been averted completely. If this one necessary tool had been given to Frederick Fleet, would it have occurred? I think not. And to add to the problematic situations, Captain Edward Smith had been warned and notified of the big ice fields that they were about to go into. And he decided to disregard that because apparently it's fine. And it was common nautical practice that you just plow through it. And he maintained almost full speed. He continued at a pace of 22 knots, which is 25 miles per hour or 41 kilometers per hour. The decision was, of course, pretty questionable, and there's been a large amount of speculation behind that. But to quote Captain Edward Smith, this was common practice, and he could not imagine any condition which would cause a ship to flounder. Modern shipbuilding has gone beyond that. My question is why, though? Why would he do that and make such a haphazard decision and risk the lives of so many people? and the lives of so many wealthy elites at that. And the answer is J.P. Morgan. This is where the can of worms really begins to open. Among the passengers on board the maiden voyage were some of his direct competitors. John Jacob Astor, a millionaire and supposed objector of Morgan's idea of the Federal Reserve Bank. Benjamin Guggenheim, who reportedly also objected the Federal Reserve Bank, and Isidore Strauss, co-owner of the Macy's department store. All three of these men were business rivals of Morgan's and were opposed to his idea of monopolizing the U.S. banking industry. And the crazy part is, Morgan was supposed to have been a passenger on the maiden voyage, but backed out at the last minute and didn't really give a conclusive reason as to why. So all three of his business rivals perished in the crash, and now Morgan was free of opposition completely. Here's where things get incredibly fishy. J.P. Morgan owned the parent company of White Star Line, International Mercantile Marine Group, or IMMG. If you remember, White Star Line is the company that built and owns the RMS Olympic and the RMS Titanic. So he was one of the wealthiest men of the era. It's entirely conceivable 
that he would own such a large company, especially with his interests in business in steel. He owned United States Steel Company, which was the first billion-dollar company ever created. Sure, it adds up, but wait, why would he want to sink his own ship? The answer is insurance money. The Olympic and the Titanic were built essentially with the same design and were what's known as sister ships. The RMS Olympic had been involved in a crash with a warship in 1911. This left the Olympic severely damaged and White Star Line was unable to attain any insurance money from the event as they claimed that the Olympic was at fault. So, as the theory goes, they patched up the Olympic to just a passable standard and they would repaint the hulls and anything that had the name bearing on it to swap it essentially switching and now the actual Titanic is now the Olympic and the Titanic that sank is the damaged Olympic that had been in a crash in 1911. The old bait and switch switching the two out so they could make some serious dough on the Titanic crash. The plan was to save all the passengers with the lifeboats but due to some construction errors I guess their errors, this was an inconceivable impossibility. You see, both ships had bulkheads that were not watertight. These are like the walls of the ship, and normally they run from floor to ceiling so that water cannot permeate into another compartment if one floods out. On these two ships, both of them, their bulkheads did not run from floor to ceiling, and they had openings, which is what caused the cascading flooding effect. And you'd think someone who had the sense when they were designing the ship would say, hey, maybe we should go ahead and make these compartments watertight. That way, if one of them floods out, it doesn't chain react and cause a bunch of people to drown. But I guess they went ahead with it anyway, and obviously it resulted in catastrophe. They had the money to do it, after all. This was a giant construction company owned by J.P. Morgan. And once again, why did they not get Frederick Fleet binoculars? That's the part that's really sticking with me and bothering me. And why did Captain Smith decide that we just go ahead at full speed? Literally almost full speed just so they could make time. He was warned it was grave dangers. Multiple ships, six reports had come in saying that there were large ice fixtures that were floating around in the ocean out there. It all adds up to some incredibly suspicious behavior on the part of J.P. Morgan and his company, White Star Line. With one fell swoop, they were able to receive an enormous insurance payment, and J.P. Morgan was now free of all of his rivals who had died, and it was able to push for the Federal Reserve Bank. Coincidence? I think not. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up with our condensed segment, guys. The Titanic, national tragedy. You know, Americans, English, people from multiple countries perished in this crash. The loss of life was tremendous. Like I said, 700 survived, 1,500 people died in the accident. Is there something more behind it? A lot of people have tried to debunk it, but the fact of the matter is, when you're those wealthy elite people, 
I feel like you're kind of willing to do whatever you have to do to push your agenda. And it's kind of like a social Darwinism thing. Only the strong will survive. So they're kind of willing to do whatever. And actually, J.P. Morgan passed away shortly afterwards, leaving the company to his son and everything. And maybe he intended that. Maybe he knew it was coming because he had been sick for quite some time and had been progressing. Maybe he thought, hey, I can kind of manage to pull this off. I can, one, make money for my companies, two, push my political agenda. And while those three businessmen that died didn't directly oppose it, it's speculated that one did. The other two never actually came out and openly said they did oppose the Federal Reserve Bank. It's an easy cleanup. Easy cleanup. He dies shortly afterward. Nobody else is to blame. He could have orchestrated the entire thing. And the fact that so many lifeboats were missing, no binoculars, the captain didn't heed any kind of warnings. And this is an established captain. He was known as the millionaire captain. He should have known better than to keep going at almost full speed through the hazardous fields of ice. It's just, there's so much behind it. And like, as I was doing the research for it, I was like incredibly intrigued just to see if somebody had those ulterior motives. It would have been the easiest little decision of their life. They literally got everything they wanted and they were going to have their own fresh suite on there. JP Morgan was going to have the best of the best room on there. And at the last minute just said, yeah, I'm not going to go. I got other matters to attend to. Sorry. Have a good trip. Bye, guys. Stay safe out there. What is that? I mean, it's last minute with no excuse. I I feel like he had to know something was up. Anyways, that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Definitely check this one out on your own. There's so much behind it. Like, some people say there's even, like, a mummy curse that was placed on the Titanic and these religious curses. Like, this whole no pope thing was, like, painted on the hall upside down during construction. It's it's really weird. I don't put a lot of stock in those. That's why I didn't really delve into it. But check it out, guys. This was a fun one. Um, I really love digging into it. Uh, next week, I think we're going to do an episode on hermetics. So... If you guys have never heard of that it's a pretty crazy topic i'm gonna just give you that little spoiler for now go ahead and hit the like hit the subscribe i appreciate every little bit that you guys are doing to support the channel please follow us on instagram we're on twitter and we also have a discord server i'll put the links to all those below we're also on spotify for your streaming needs and this is youtube so you can have the visual edits and everything with all the pictures that I work to put in there. I just, you know, it's a really, it's a labor of love thing. And I love you guys. Please stay tuned. This is your host, Canned Goods, signing out.